like I said, we're wrapping up a series that we started 12 weeks ago, okay? On the basis of this, I was thinking and praying back late September, early October of last year, thinking, okay, God, what do you have in store for us in 2021, and where do you want us to go as a church? And this sermon series popped, was just laid in front of me, popped into my head. I saw a video and was watching something on the YouTubes about this, and Basically, the premise of this is this. We hear all of the time that everybody kind of fantasizes and, 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 and thinks, what would it be like if I could be like the Acts Church? Like, I want to be in a church that's like the Acts Church. I want to I see the generosity that they see. I want to see the signs and wonders. I want to be a part of the signs and wonders that they are. Like, I want to I be devoted to something. I want what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm giving my time to, to matter to people. I want to be devoted to something. And I want to know that the people that I'm sitting around are devoted to the same thing and that are in it for the same reasons and that we're all striving for the same thing. Right? Like, that's, that's, that's our desire. That's what we want. And so we talk about that quite often. And so the goal of this series has been to spend these 12 weeks looking at how the early church engaged with each other. So, for review, okay, for review, 12 weeks ago, 11 weeks ago, we talked about the Lordship of Christ. Peter gives a sermon, first recorded sermon post-resurrection, and he says, submit yourselves to the Lordship of Christ. Submit yourselves to the Lordship of Christ. Another name there for Lordship, and doesn't quite do it justice, but you can go back and listen to the message to get the whole thing, but basically, the authority of God through Christ Jesus, right? That we submit our lives to his authority. That we get rid of the idols that are in our lives, right? Because an idol is defined as anything that we place in between us and God. Anything that takes the place of God in our lives as an idol. Good things, great things, things that we should care deeply about. But they take the place of God and become idols. Lordship of Christ. And so he says, he says, to the early church, the lordship of Christ was, was very essential, which led them to repentance. Led them to repentance. Repentance of sin, right? And we talked about this, that we, that we lay our sins down, we turn, and we walk away. Somebody in between services said this, some of those oil tanker ships, it takes them two to three miles to do a full turn in the ocean. Isn't that interesting? Two to three miles. Can you imagine being on a ship that large where it takes two to three miles of space and water to turn that ship around and we get impatient with people when their repentance hasn't worked in like five minutes? Repentance takes time. Right? And repentance is a move of God, not a move of you. Okay? And so we make the action of laying our sin at the feet of Jesus, but then, but then the, the, the work of repentance has just started. So being patient with each other, being patient with ourselves in repentance. And we talked about baptism. When we talked repentance and baptism in the same week, why? Because baptism is the outward expression of that inward change. Right? Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. And so the scripture emphasizes baptism after salvation, 
right? But, but we're open-ended on the method, right? A lot of people prefer, I prefer, baptism by immersion. Because I think there's nothing like it, right? But if you want to grab a water gun and spray Bruce Elder with a water gun a bunch of times, and Bruce is like, yes, that's my baptism, then, hey, that's a different method. It's a different method, but Bruce is in. And so, you know, then, then, then as long as his heart is in it, right? The baptism is more a matter of the heart, not the practice. Okay, you hear me? So, lordship, repentance, baptism. And then Peter made much of, Peter made much of receiving the gift. Everybody say gift of the Holy Spirit. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And how this was important. Now hear me, hear me. This was important because we're in the corporate church gathering. But these four things were for each and every individual. Right? Just because mom and dad have surrendered their lives to the Lordship of Christ. Just because brother has repented and been baptized. Just because sister has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that those things cover you. Okay? Doesn't mean that. Okay? All four of these things, lordship, repentance, baptism, gift of the Holy Spirit, are individual things for the church to grab onto and important for each and every one of us to make much of. Make sense? So those were the first three weeks because we did repentance and baptism together. So maybe it's only an 11-week series. And then... Acts 2.42, Dr. Luke, Peter ends his sermon by saying 3,000 were added to their number that day, those that were saved, right? 3,000, revival happened, spirit broke out, a bunch of people met Jesus, surrendered to him as Lord, repented, were baptized, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then verse 42, Dr. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, takes back over and reports that they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, what we're doing right here. Not the Word of man, not these cute sayings, not these cliche things, but the Word of God, right? And and how awesome that is. We talked about how John 20, 21, way more signs and wonders were done that are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may have life and have it to the full, right? See, oh man, Ooh, is it all right if I preach Matt? What time does March Madness start? Like noon? All my teams are out, so it doesn't matter. Okay. See, see, we've got, we've got this for far too long, this kind of reputation in the church. The church is boring, right? The church is boring that you come and you sit and all this, and we, 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 we you know, but, oh, I can't even button that one right now. Anyway, but we button, COVID-40, um, but we button, you know, we get button, we tighten things up, right? Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't go to the cross so the church could be boring. That's not, that's not the case. Scripture even says many more signs and wonders were done that are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you, but that gets me pumped. That gets me excited. Jesus wants me to have a full life. Not boring. There's nothing boring about that. Full life. Full life. 
And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, the gathering, right, to the, to the body of Christ. They devoted themselves to the fellowship of the body of Christ. This right here. This right here. I was having a conversation with, um, with, a, with a family this past week, and they were talking with their high schooler uh, after the service, and, uh, and they thought it was a good opportunity to say, hey, what would you think of church? I mean, the pastor preached for like 54 minutes, but what did you think of the message today? And before he, they could even finish the sentence, this young man looked at his parents and said, best message I've ever heard. I'm talking about last Sunday. I was like, wow. And they said, why? To their surprise. They were like, what, what was it? And he said, uh, it was a young man who used to go to a Christian school, surrounded by Christians all day long, now goes to a public school. And he said, he said I find that my non-Christian friends are far easier to be around than my Christian friends. Isn't that interesting? He said, he said I find that they're nicer, that, 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 that my non-Christian friends, they're nicer, they're, they're more faithful, they're more true to their word, they show up when they say they're going to show up, and a high schooler. And I found that very interesting. I found that very, very interesting. Why is that? We're going to talk about that a little bit more today, but because we don't truly devote ourselves to this. Are we truly devoted to the body of Christ? We do this when it fits. For many of us, not all of us, but we do this when it fits into our schedule. We do this when it makes sense. We do this when the church goes through the efforts to make us comfortable enough to do this. But when it comes to devoted, eh, I'm not quite sure about that one. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Dylan preached a phenomenal message on the breaking of bread. Right? The communion, right? The, the communion, the sacrament of coming together, taking communion, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus says, don't remember. He never said, remember my birth, but he always says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, the death, the, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, right? The bread and the wine. Okay, and so the communion, the breaking of bread, both in the body of Christ, in the gathering, in the fellowship, and in the homes. And then they devoted themselves to the prayers. Public prayers, private prayers, but they devoted themselves to a prayer life, which produced four more things. Okay? So you got lordship, you got repentance, you got baptism, you got, you got um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, which produced this awe, this worship, these signs and wonders, right? And Jesus told the disciples that many more signs and wonders, even greater signs and wonders will you perform than me. Right? So he's setting the church up. He's saying, listen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're going to achieve and accomplish way more things for God than even I, as his son, are doing. What a promise for the church. 
for the bride of Christ. Signs and wonders. Then Ian talked about generosity, right? How they were selling their possessions and giving to as any had need, right? We talked, we talked about how the, the church earned their tax-exempt status. You know how the church earned their tax-exempt status? Because the church was doing so much for the towns that the towns went to them and they're like, hey, we gotta, we gotta help you out. So that's how the church got tax-exempt status is because they were helping so much, right? And so we say all the time, we gotta make sure we're earning our tax-exempt status, right? Serving the needs of the community, serving the needs of the town. The radical generosity of the church. And then last week we talked about worship and gathering together and how it wasn't just this because they couldn't do a Sunday morning gathering. The church was over 3,000 people now. They didn't have a room big enough to gather together. So the ecclesia turned into the ecclesiola, these house churches, and they were meeting each other's needs throughout the week. We're going to talk more about that today. Throughout the week, which led to what we're getting to today, the second part of Acts 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily, day by day, those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so we wrap up the fruit of this church Submitting to the Lordship of Christ, repenting and being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, being devoted to each other, the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, the prayers, right, led to this worship, the signs and wonders, the awe, the generosity, and the furtherance of the gospel. Multiplication. That other people met Jesus. That other people were brought into the family. Now, you know what I find interesting? You know what I find interesting? When, 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 when uh, families grow, right, that's a pretty big deal. New, new, new kid comes into the family, you do like a, what do you call those, gender reveal, where you cut the cake or you pop the balloon and everybody wears a pink shirt or a blue shirt and all that stuff. Everybody gets so excited and you have, you have that party. Then you've got the baby showers, right, where you bring as many diapers and wipes as you can fit into the room to try to help the couple. And every, all the needs, right? Passies, um, diaper cream, onesies galore that they'll wear once, right? And then retire and move on and pass them on down, right? Right? We get so excited about it. Family comes in, right? At least this, is, this was before BC, before COVID, right? Um, you know, family comes around. Holes the baby. Everybody can't wait to get their paws on the baby, right? Like everybody just can't wait. Or babies, if you got twins or more than one, plus the parents' hearts. Um, but you know, can't wait. It's always an exciting thing, right? Right? Always an exciting thing for new life, right? And we get so excited. Parties are thrown. Cake is had. Gifts are bought, registries are made, all of these things for this new life that's coming into the family. And how much do we make of new life that comes into the family of God? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? How much do we make? of multiplication within the body of Christ. How much do we make of this? 
And the thing that we have to come to grips with today as we're wrapping up this series is it's all through Scripture. I mean, in the book of Acts, let's just look in the book of Acts. Paul goes on three missionary journeys. He doesn't even get saved until chapter 9 of the book of Acts. There's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. If you do the math, 19 chapters of the book of Acts are Paul's missionary journeys that he goes around doing what? Making the family of God bigger. That's why he existed. That was his call. That was what he wanted to do. It was all he wanted to do. And so this idea of multiplication and growing the body of Christ, growing the family of God is in the very fabric of Scripture, in the very fabric of everything that we're doing. And yet us in the church, it's like when we join the club, it's almost like we're protective of the numbers. We almost get nervous when someone gets excited about Jesus because they just met him. Man, you remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? You are going to go home, throw all your non-Christian CDs away, right, burn them. You were going to read the whole Bible that night. You remember? You remember? There's almost this jealousy that we have within the church of these new believers and their excitement for who Jesus is that we almost talk them out of it at the very beginning. Yeah, be careful. It doesn't stay that fun very long, Right? And we almost like downplay this whole event saying, I wonder if they're going to make it. Give them six months. Let's see if they're still in it, right? Instead of saying, hey, there's a party. There's a celebration happening right now in heaven. Scripture says angels rejoice when one turns to Christ. And so if they're partying in heaven, why are we partying here? And we become so passive about this because we want to protect the comforts of what we have now disclaimer okay because I got I gotta be honest with you okay man it's warm it's a good sign okay disclaimer I have enjoyed I have enjoyed the last few months where it's been 50 people I, I don't mind this because I get to talk to some of you, most of you, before church. Because some of y'all, especially after the pastor preaches long, which it's looking like that may happen right now, okay? Some of y'all get out of here faster than a toddler gets to mac and cheese in a restaurant. I made that one up this morning at the 8.30. I think that one's going to stick. I think that, you don't like it? All right. Y'all book it out of here. So some of you I got to try to catch before the service because I know when we say amen, you're gone. Okay. But I, but I like this. Because I, I can see everybody. I can talk to everybody. Right. And so the 50 thing hasn't been that bad for me. Kind of enjoy it, right? But here's the point. Shame on us as the bride of Christ if we try to put limitations around a move of God. How do you think Peter 
And those early apostles, those early disciples, and Mary, and the, that group of 140 that spent, spent time with Jesus and, 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 and were there for the ascension and all that. How, how many of them do you think were really pumped when 3,000 were added to their number that day? That's a lot of phone calls. That's a lot of discipleship. That's a lot of teaching. I mean, we're going to go to it in just a few minutes. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's quite the baptism line. 3,000 teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Man, we've got to get some Bible studies started. We've got to get some. And they did, right? The Ecclesiola, the house churches, they, they started that, right? They got after it. But, but that probably shocked them. 3,000 one day surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. Right? I mean, that was, that was probably a little overwhelming. Can you imagine today? Can you imagine if that happened today? Whew. Whew. So, let's look at this. Because the whole point, right, all of this was about the glory of God. And so, day by day, adding to the number of those that were being saved. So, let's look at it. We're going to look at it piece by piece this morning. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Ready? Point number one, the Lord. Who builds the church? Pop quiz. Who builds the church? Go ahead, Christy. The Lord, right? The Lord does. Right. Somebody give her a mint or something, right? The Lord builds the church. The Lord builds the church, right? Jesus says to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says this, and I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Who's building the church? Jesus, right? Jesus, when in doubt, just say Jesus in church, okay? You're good, all right? Jesus, right? On this rock, I will build my church. Let me tell you something. That blows up every marketing plan for every church across the world. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? And have we not seen that? Have we not seen that over the past year? I mean, listen to me. Listen to me. I got to tell you. I got to level with you. Okay? A year ago, right about this time, we're, we canceled church for just two weeks, we were going to be back by Easter, right? We are going to be back in person by Easter, canceling church for two weeks. Let me tell you something, I have a hard time canceling church for a snow day, much less for multiple weeks, and I panicked. I, I panicked. What are we going to do? We're canceling church, right? What are we, what are we going to do? Let me tell you something. Y'all have, have heard some stories, but, but I don't think you've heard this one. In the last year, we have seen over 80 people come to Summit. When we haven't invited anyone. Like, we haven't put anything out there. Because we've wanted to, like, save the seats for you. And we've got a limited number. And so, like, we haven't done anything. And yet, 80 people... I was teaching in a small group two Tuesday nights ago. 
I was invited into a small group to, to teach and to lead, lead the small group. And there was, a, there was a young lady there who's found Summit, never, never attended on a Sunday morning because they're a little nervous with all the stuff and the restrictions and all those things. But she's found this small group. She's so pumped about Summit Church, and she's never even been on a Sunday morning, but she found us online. That, my friends, is God building His church. The thing we have to come to grips with as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, is this. He does not need you. We think we are such a gift to the body of Christ. Oh man, we're hitting it now. He does not need me. But the beauty of what we just sang about, the scandal of grace, is that He wants you. Is that He wants you. Man, He wants to use you. He wants me. He wants you. He's going to build His church, but He wants you to be a part of it. The Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Isn't it awesome that we've seen over the last year, hey, just trust me, I got this. You be faithful. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. You keep talking to that video screen and preaching the word. I promise you, there's people on the other end that are listening. Oh my, have we seen that. Look at what else he tells Peter. He says, you're Peter on this rock. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a promise. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus is sitting there telling Peter, listen, listen, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Right? I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You're going to do greater works than these after I get out of the way and the helper comes to give you the power to do it. I will build my church. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the sovereignty of God is this, that He is working long before we get involved. He is moving in that life that you're praying for longer than you get involved and get the boldness to tell them about Jesus. He's already moving there. He's already moving there. He has been since the day they were born. You're a piece of that story. You're a part of that story. And you know what else? One more thing before we move on to point number two. He loves them more than you could ever dream of. That's why he gave his son for him. So the Lord builds his church. Number two. The Lord added to their number. Okay, now this, this is where we got to deal with the tension. Right? This is where we got to deal with the tension. Because, well, let's read, this, let's read the scripture. Matthew 28. I'm going to back up to verse 16 because I want to point something out to you before we get to 18, the Great Commission. Okay, Matthew 28, starting verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. The disciples are going up. The 11 disciples. 11 disciples. Everybody got that? 11 disciples went to Galilee. That's who we're talking about. To the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is past. This is post-resurrection. 
Okay, but Jesus had called the 11 disciples to meet him on a mountain. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Huh. I don't know about you, but that verse right there encourages me immensely. The disciples that did life with Jesus, three and a half years of worth of life with Jesus, were on the boats, were feeding the 5,000, were all, they were in the inner circle with Jesus, in the upper room, hearing all of these things that Jesus promised and that he foretold were going to happen. They've seen them all play out, and they're on this mountain. They're invited to this mountain, an exclusive VIP pass to this mountain to worship Jesus, and some of them there still, after all of that, doubted. But some doubted. I have no doubt. See what I did there? I have no doubt that there are some of you in this room, you may have been a, a Christian, a believer for years and years and years, but there is something still in you that doubts the power of God. I have no doubt that there are people under the sound of my voice right now, maybe watching online, that you've got some doubts. Let me tell you something, you're in good company. It's okay. It's what you do with those doubts that matters. These guys still showed up and worshiped Jesus. And look at what Jesus does in response, because he knew they were doubting. Jesus' next words are this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Take that, doubts. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You're taking notes. You've got your Bible out in front of you. Underline that word, all. That's a very important. Go and all. Go, therefore, into all nations and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and my presence will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, here's the tension, because that's the calling That is the calling of the church. That is the commission of the church to go and make disciples under the authority of Jesus, teach them, baptize them, and know that my presence is going with you. All right, that's the commission. That's the sending. Here's the tension. I like my people. I mean, how often, how often do we hear people say this? I couldn't go to that church anymore. They were just too big. They're too focused on, on reaching people. They're too focused on getting big. They're too, fo- they're too, they're, they're, the, the, you know, they just, they just want more people to come to Jesus and more people to come to church. Let me tell you, yeah, we want that here too. I mean, I just, I just told you in the last year, we've grown by over 80 people. That takes us up around like three something. I think Dan and Ian's list are at like 352 or 356 or something like that. I told you last week, that's a lot of phone calls. 
There are more people today that I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. And that bothers me. Right? All those different things and, and all those different things. I, I get it. But here's the point. If this is an audition for heaven, if our Sunday morning gatherings are, on, are, 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 are practicing for heaven, I can promise you this, in heaven it's about the glory of God, not about the person worshiping next to you. Not about our comfort. Way more about the glory of God. And so I understand that this message, that this idea of multiplication, that this idea of telling people about Jesus for the sake that they'll come. Listen, Jesus called us to be salt and light, right? Salt and light, not hot sauce, not turning people off, right? To the kingdom of God, right? Not vinegar, salt and light, tasty to draw people. Why? So that we could draw people into his kingdom, To make heaven as large as we can possibly make it. That is the commission of every believer. We have a gift inside of each and every one of us that is not meant to be held inside, but meant to be shared with every person that we come in contact with of all nations, of all people, of all shapes, of all sizes, of all colors, of all backgrounds, of all languages. All. And we like, and listen, I hear you. I hear you. I get it. I get it. We like our comforts. And that's the problem with the church today is that we like our comforts more than we like Him. We like our comforts more than we like fulfilling His call to grow His church. He's going to build his church. And look, I promise you, I promise you, because I've seen it happen. Look, I've, I spent way too long. I spent late, way too long trying to adjust sermons, trying to, trying to twist some things just so that people who were showing up would stay. Because I thought, man, if we could only have them, we could really do something. And I can't tell you how many, how many meetings I begged for people to just stay in church when I wasn't for them. I promise you, you're going to tell your friends about Jesus and they're going to want to come to know Him. I'm probably not for them. Like, I'm not for everyone, I'm a lot. Kristen reminds me of that often. And that's okay. The point, again, is not about Summit. It's not about Travis. It's not about East Point. It's not about Life Church, Rock Church, Galilee, First Baptist Westbrook, First Baptist Portland, Missio Dei, uh, uh, Refuge, um, um, Cressy Road. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's not about, it's not about any one of us. The question is, are we being faithful to the call of God on our lives? 
Are we being faithful to what He's called us to and asked us to do by growing His family? Added to their number daily, those who are being saved. And we get nervous because, oh, uh, Pastor, I hear you. I know what you're talking about. So you're one of those. You're, always, you're, you're only worried about numbers. Yeah, go back and look at all the messages I've preached over the last two years and see how many times I've talked about this. I think this is it. One. Okay? But, but, but before we go there, maybe I should talk about it more because I'm going to tell you, Scripture talks a lot about it. I mean, there's a whole book in the Old Testament called Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay? Numbers. Uh, uh, obviously, counting was important to Jesus because Jesus fed the 5,000. Right? Jesus fed the 5,000. We see in Acts 2.41 that 3,000 were added to their number that day. So let me tell you something about numbers. The reason I believe numbers are important is because every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. Every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And because it matters to God, it ought to matter to His bride. I love hearing your stories. Love it. Somebody emailed me this past week and said, thank you for what you said to me last Sunday, and then sent me a novel telling me their story over the last five years and how they landed at Summit in the middle of a pandemic. And as I read that, I just started like getting tears in my eyes, like, God, only you could do this. This is awesome. Only you could, only you could do all of the things that were here in this letter. Only Him. Only Him. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So numbers matter. Numbers matter. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And then lastly, Day by day. Now, again, this is important. It makes tons of sense, right? The Lord builds His church, added to their number. Numbers are important. Day by day. Now, again, this makes sense because remember from our message last week, right? It wasn't just the ecclesia anymore. The ecclesia was the gathering of believers, right? What we're doing here. But they didn't have a room at this time in Israel large enough to fit everyone that was now coming to Jesus, repenting, right? Being saved, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, right? Fellowshipping and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking bread, to the prayers, uh, all these different things. They didn't have a room big enough. So they transitioned from the ecclesia into the ecclesiola. And these folks were meeting day by day in and out of the temple. And people were hearing, people were talking, people were, 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 were testifying to the things of God. And people were surrendering their lives to Jesus every single day as a result of the move of God that was happening. It was awesome. Day by day. And so many of us, we have this mindset, we have this mentality. Oh, I just got to get them to church. I just got to get them to church. 
But again, you have a platform that I don't have for the proclamation of the gospel. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. Some of you it's aviation. Some of you it's old cars. Some of you it's, it's, it's steps and stairs and, and hiking and, and all. Well, hiking I could probably join you on. But like, like, like we all have these platforms for the gospel that God wants us to use for his glory. One of my biggest platforms, I see God use it, I, I, I kid you not, probably every week, is that I have a brother affected by disability. And God uses that platform in me almost every week. If it's not that, it's basketball. Hands down. Like those are the two biggest platforms that I have that to, to, to reach people that are far from God, to reach people that don't know Christ. Is basketball, because I'm tall, in case you haven't noticed. Everybody asks me how tall I am and asks me if I've ever played basketball, right? And so tall, and then and then and then my brother in a wheelchair. The two biggest platforms. And, and many of you don't have those two platforms. Right? Don't have those two platforms. Many of you may not know what a basketball is. And aren't affected by disability in your family. Like, like you get it. Platforms. How many of you have ever heard the name Kelly Clark? Not Kelly Clark's son. That's different. I didn't say it wrong. Kelly Clark ending, right? Kelly Clarkson, American Idol. That's cute. All right, Kelly Clark. All right, Kelly Clark graduated high school in 1999, and her parents wanted her to go to college. But she was a U.S. Open, I didn't even know this was a thing, U.S. Open champion snowboarder. And had an opportunity to go try out for the Olympic team when she was supposed to be going to college. So she begged her parents, let me, let me join the Olympics. Let me try to go to the Olympics. And her parents, her dad was like, nope, college, nope, college, right? Which, anyway, right, from Vermont. And um, her, her parents finally came back to her and said, look, you got one year to do this snowboarding thing. And you're going to college. One year. She made the Olympic team in that year. She went, she won Olympic gold medal that year, 2000, uh, in, in downhill snowboard, some snowboarding thing. Okay, Olympic gold medal. First thing she did when she won the gold medal was she called her dad and said, do I still have to go to college? To which he said, no. Uh, she had a 20-year snowboarding career where she won five gold medals, she was part of five Olympic teams, five gold medals. She was the best in her sport. You Google her, and it talks about how she was the best snowboarder of all time. She just retired in the last year. About 2000, uh, I think it was her second or third, so 2008 or, uh, or excuse me, third or fourth, 2012, I can't remember. But one of, those, one of those Olympics talked about how empty she was feeling, lonely, depressed, as an athlete, right? When you're an athlete of that caliber, you don't have a lot of friends. Your friends are your trainers, your coaches, right? Your nutritionists, all those people. You sacrifice a lot of things when you're an athlete of that level. And she had. She had. So she was lonely. She was depressed. She didn't have a lot of hope. She didn't get excited about a lot of things. And she was at a competition 
one night. She had already, uh, I think it was, an Olymp- it was an Olympic, excuse me. She was at the Olympics one night winning her third gold medal. So that would have been 2008. Winning her third gold medal. Got down. She had already secured it, but there were still a few people that had to run do a run behind her. The person that went right behind her after she secured gold, she said, she, I got gold medal and I just felt so empty. The person behind her fell. Just wiped out. Wiped out completely. And she heard somebody run up to her, another a, a fellow teammate, and said, it's okay, don't cry. God still loves you. God still loves you. And they hugged each other and they walked off and Kelly went back to her hotel room by herself, pulled the Bible, the Gideon Bible, out of the drawer, started to read it. Made no sense to her. Made no sense. She said, I'm reading all these words. Made, makes no sense to me. Well, because she's Kelly, and she's the best snowboarder of all time, she can find out where the other snowboarders are staying. So she found out who, where the girl was staying that ran up to the other girl and said, hey, it's okay, don't cry. God still loves you. Went and knocked on her door. The girl opens the door and is like, whoa, whoa, you're, you're Kelly. And Kelly's like, look, I've been reading this book for the last hour and I, none of it makes sense to me. I think you know about this God thing and I need you to teach it to me. So she's like, okay, come on in. And so her and Kelly talk for like two or three hours. Kelly listens to everything about Jesus, who he is, who he is what he's done for her life. And says, okay, I don't, I don't just want to buy into this right now, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God six months. I'm going to give everything I have to God for six months. I'm going to devote everything I have to him for six months. Now Kelly just retired and she's traveling around with FCA talking to young people about a life with Jesus in sports. Isn't that awesome? All because one girl ran up to another girl that that fell and took a dive in a snowboarding thing and said, hey, don't cry. God still loves you. See, God can use the most simplest things. How many times have we said, God loves you? How many times have we read, God loves you, or Jesus loves you? Right? How many times have we done these things? And yet story after story after story are these simple ways where God shows up in a person's time of need and saves their life. The most powerful evangelism tool you have, the most powerful tool that you have to tell others about Jesus is your testimony. Of all the tools out there, your story is the most powerful one you have. Because you know know who the only person that can tell your story is? You. You. Like, I could try to get excited about Dylan's story. Growing up in Lincoln, Maine. And... Growing up there and (laughs) having red hair and this natural ability to play guitar and sing and like woo everyone at the drop of a hat and grew up in Lincoln, Maine. But I can't share his story. 
going to Maine Maritime Academy and getting invited to a Bible study and just showing up so that he could have a group of friends, got grip in his heart, calling him to ministry, coming down to USM to minister to college students, meeting a pastor and driving over to Lincoln, New Hampshire one day, and a baby screaming in the back seat the entire time, and that pastor thinking, this dude's never going to talk to me again because my baby won't be quiet in the back seat, just screaming in his face, and yet he still loves that kid with all his heart. And six years later, we're doing church together, and God's just doing amazing things to this guy. But there's parts of his story that I can't get as passionate about. See, I could get passionate about the part where I was with him. My kid screaming in the back seat in his face for hours. We gave him friendlies to try to make up for it. But the part where he got there, I don't get as passionate about because it's not my story. But you hear Dylan tell it, and you're like, yes, dude, you're awesome. Right? The most powerful tool we have. And so there's two, there's two things I want to give you as we close. Number one, because of the Lordship, repentance and baptism, gift of the Holy Spirit, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread, the prayers, seeing signs and wonders and awe falling on all of them, generosity, radical generosity, the gathering of worship. You can only imagine when all I would ever do is forever worship you. And the calling to add to the number daily is this. Our response is this, two things. Number one, be obedient. Be obedient. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God's call on our lives is a call to obedience. God's call on our lives is a call to obedience. To be obedient to Him. To pursue Him. This life as a believer is a life of obedience. And then secondly, be faithful. In every opportunity you have, be faithful. Be faithful. See, obedience is more inward. Faithfulness is outward. See, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Be faithful. I was at a gathering on a Thursday night in New York City when I was on a mission trip there years ago, and I heard righteousness defined as this, being faithful with what's right in front of you. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me tell you something, church, that doesn't happen if the church isn't being faithful day by day. Because the scripture doesn't say, and the Lord added to their number Sunday after Sunday, those who were being saved. So I got two questions for you. Worship team is going to come. They're going to get ready to sing a song as we close. But here are my two questions. Of these 12 things, 
What's one area in your life where you need to be more obedient? Generosity, prayer life, lordship, the authority, repentance. Maybe God's calling someone here to baptism. What's one area of your life where God's calling you to be more obedient? And then secondly, and again, it may be the same answer for both, but I think if you prayed hard enough, you might find two. What's one area of your life where God's calling you to be more faithful? Who's that person that you need to tell about what God's doing in your life? Who's that person that you need to tell about some doubts? About some promises that you're claiming? About the story of how you were restored, forgiven, loved by God? What's one area of your life where God's calling you to be more faithful? Jesus looks at his disciples and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In response to, their, in response to some doubting, go therefore and make disciples. A call to obedience, a call to faithfulness. So we can be exactly who God's called us to be. We've got to respond. We've got to, we've got to be obedient to the call and faithful to the task. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about the possibility of a group of believers doing just that. I want it. I want it. I want it. Do you? Let's pursue them together. Father, Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Summit Church is in. We're in. We're in. Your Lord. We will preach and practice repentance and baptism. We will make much of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We will devote ourselves to your word. We will devote ourselves to each other, to the gathering and to the day by day. We will devote ourselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We will be in all of you, together and individually, worshiping you and seeing the supernatural happen all around us. We will commit and devote ourselves to be radically generous, even more than we already have been.
not just with money, but with time, with gifts, with passions, with forgiveness, with grace, we will do it. God, we commit ourselves to worshiping you and you alone, not taking our eyes off of you, but, taking, but keeping our eyes on being in your dust, because as you lead, we will follow. And God, we will make much of your kingdom. We will make much of people coming to you, knowing you, growing in you, being trained in you, stirring one another for you. Find us faithful as your people. Here we are. Send us. And we will build our lives on this. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed. Amen.